Anarchism is not bombs, disorder, or chaos. It is not robbery or murder. It is not a war of each against all. Anarchism is the very opposite of all that. Find out for yourself. Tune into Subversion 1312. Live, Tuesdays 9 to 10 p.m. on 4ZZZ 102.1 FM or streaming 4ZZZ.org.au. Podcasts and related content available at subversion1312.org and channel0network.com. Conclusion? We stand for anarchy, anti-capitalism, anti-racism, anti-authoritarianism, internationalism, autonomy, direct democracy, ecology, self-organisation, solidarity, anti-fascism, anti-neoliberalism, anti-nationalism, atheism, equality and freedom. Welcome to Subversion 1312, the 4ZZZ Anarchy Show. Coming up on Subversion tonight, we've got some guests in the studio. I'll tell you about them soon. But also, Robin Taubenfeld spoke to me this afternoon about a 4th of July. Granny Smith is having a picnic in West End on Thursday. Granny Smith is a fictional character. Ah, yeah, Granny Smith. Yeah. Okay, so where is it happening? Uh, it's happening in West End at Bunyapur Park, but we'll hear more about that later. I'm excited. Yeah, we've also got Bad Cop No Donut. My name is Linda. I'm here with Claude, Nicholas Dog, and Mark, and Daniel and Esther. And Daniel and Esther are part of the Sue Ensemble. Sue is. Yes. The Su- s- yeah, Sui ensemble. Sui. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was like Chinese Su. No, I always got that it was Sui because S U I because I followed them on Instagram. Right. So yeah, yeah. Sui right. ensemble. Apparently, I didn't get a lot of things during the <laughs> show. So, yeah. Well, I'm very excited to talk to you guys because we just saw your incredible show, La Silhouette, on Sunday night, which was your closing night, yep. unfortunately, and um, so. I don't know. It would be great if it came back. But um, it was a fully immersive theatre experience that you guys put together. Um, do you want to tell, tell us what it was about? Uh, so La Silhouette is uh, a cabaret slash nightclub experience uh, in kind of bringing to life uh, a queer venue um, and taking audiences on uh, a kind of deep dive through some of the elements of queer history in Brisbane and some of the um, stories that may have featured in clubs like that throughout history. La Silhouette is a fictional uh, nightclub, cabaret club space um, that we've designed to house some of the stories from uh, Brisbane's queer history. Um, And so you, as an audience member, are um, guided through all of the rooms of this cabaret club, the, you know, the dressing rooms, VIP rooms um, and living quarters um, of this space and and count other characters that may have inhabited those spaces and and bear witness to or participate in some of their stories. Mm -hmm. And it really was, like, fully immersive because the audience is basically taken into a nightclub setting and then at various points during the night we're like taken in groups to like the dressing room to hear hear about a story 
in there. So, um, and that was just like a completely different experience to what I'd ever had before going to any kind of theatre shows. How did you, how did you manage to put all that together? There are so many different rooms, so many elements. (laughs) Um, it's not especially easy. Um, so I, I, it starts with the accumulation of all of those stories. We just, you know, we kind of uh, pick what what we can work with, and then um, we look at what out of those stories what is required space wise, and then um, from what once we know what those stories are and how and how they might look. Uh, next to each other or and and so that next to each other is an interesting thing because often there are up to five scenes happening at once um so there's next to each other as in before and after and there's next to each other as in cons- concurrently mm-hmm. um and so we it kind of looks like a like a flow chart you know those um like those cosmo those cosmo surveys where it's like what <laughs> the city character are you <laughs> yeah. and you answer the char- the questions yes or no and you end up at the bottom that's what it, that's what our scripts look like and so pulling the space together and the stories together is a bit like arranging one of those wow it was very impressive can can you just talk about the sui ensemble the the history and then i'm also really interested about the history of this show because it started at the backbone uh, it, Arts? Even sure, then. even before then, yeah. Um, it it started at um, it started at uh, House Conspiracy, um, which at the time was John O'Brien's initiative, and it was just uh, a, a, like a four bedroom house where you were given two weeks to you inhabited one of the rooms, and you either did research, you put on a show, whatever it is, um, and we got we got one of those rooms for a, a fortnight, and decked it out with all of these little stories and it started wow. it started there yeah it wasn't even a show when we began it was just a little you know photography exhibit that we had done that's cool yeah and from there it kind of emerged uh you know well, we, we as the sui ensemble we were, had, were kind of split up across the country at the time esther was living in hobart mm-hmm. with a couple of other uh, our other members and um and so when we reunited you know to do the thing we do which is theater um we began to collaborate on how we might bring those stories to life and what that might look like and how that might feel you know um and yeah Mm. it's been 18 to 24 months later and then we've been at the powerhouse so we went through just to acknowledge all the people who need acknowledgement yeah um house conspiracy with john o'brien and then to metro arts um thank you joe thomas and then backbone who uh-huh. helped us develop it, develop it, develop it even further? We did an open source residency there with Kath Quigley, and then um, obviously the powerhouse picked it up um, yeah. for the Melt Festival just now. And I'm interested to know because it's about gay history, and there are several different stories from different periods of time, different places. Um, but like the stories of Brisbane, there can't be much written about that. Like, where do you where did you find the stories of Brisbane's gay history? Um, well, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of that history that sort of uh, lives word of mouth um, in people who are still working in the queer scene in Brisbane, and a lot of that, yeah. a lot of those stories have to do with venues specifically. So there's uh, some of the some of the show has pieces of queer history that are outside of being in a club or being in a bar yeah. environment, but outside of that space, that's, those stories are really hard to come across um, that aren't involved in criminal cases. Um, 
so yeah, a lot of those stories are sort of passed down a bit of like this this folklore of you know crazy things that happened in queer history, and I think it's also because of the Fitzgerald inquiry that a lot of those stories mm-hmm. emerged at all. Yeah, well, that was certainly an era. JBL computers and so that that was a a part that was very interesting to us or or maybe to to me anyway. Sure, Um, because every every week or every semi unregularly we do a a segment called Bad Cop No Donut, talking about police misdemeanors and Mm, brutality, and that was like I was yeah I was kind of oh this is really interesting to to hear that. In, in the show so after this song we, we might talk a bit more about the political aspect yes. of all the different things uh-huh. happening Claude Oh, 
Now, Daniel was just telling a very interesting story about... The last bit of that, just before we went on to air, was gave birth to lobster larvae. <laughs> and yeah. died of internal bleeding. There was, it was a sexual <laughs> thing as well. It's Speaking of, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I derailed our conversation so <laughs> drastically. I just want to give a shout out to my secret coach who's helping me to make music. I'm learning how to make electronic music. Your Ooh. secret coach. Well, here, yeah, I've got a secret coach. Wow. Yeah. Is it like secrets of Mark fun. Ronson or? Well, it's a secret, so I can't tell it's you. It's a secret because <laughs> yeah. it's there's someone so prominent. <laughs> So, where? are you secretly faggot fairy? Is that uh, what's happening? <laughs> I, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Not the musical one, but maybe uh, no literal. Well, I am. A, well, I have a friend who is a fairy, a faggot fairy, basically. Yeah, part of the radical fairies. Cool. Another of uh, part of um, Australia's history of uh, queer sexuality, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, they have a. Uh, community in northern New South Wales. Oh, yeah. A radical fairy community. Anyway, we digress from La Silhouette. Yes. It was on over... When was it When was it on? What nights was it uh, on? From Thursday to Sunday last week. And, like, I think it's a really important thing that people need to see. Is there any possibility of it coming back? Oh... Let's yeah. have a few nights sleep yeah. You guys are exhausted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been absolutely huge. Immersive shows are just like a logistical... In, it's insane. And so, yeah. you know, it, it's been really heartening to see such a beautiful, positive response yeah. to the show. And I think that that has given us a bit of a newfound kind of mm. r- rigour and, and, and passion for it. Um, but... Yeah. Maybe let's give it a year. It. <laughs> yeah. So while, before we talk about the the stories in the show uh, and the politics, talking about the show and whether it will keep going, I understand that the show actually evolved over time and maybe it was a bit different when it was done in, in, uh, in the UK. Totally, yeah. yeah. Um, so well, how would you say it was different? It Well, for... for our audiences in the UK, obviously, uh, pieces of Australian politics or like Australian in jokes um, had to had to be um, contextualised mm-hmm. or, or, or not explained. And also, uh, our journey to um, London for their festival, obviously, we hadn't worked with these producers or in that space before. So there was a lot of surprises when we landed. A lot less. Um, uh, facility to to have lots and lots of stories told concurrently. So we were sort of focusing on two characters, which was the proprietor and um, Bunny. And, oh, right. uh, so it was a, a kind of condensed version. Yeah. Okay. And and obviously the you know we we've done a lot of recontextualization. You know those stories sit within a different framework. Um, the other challenge is because all of these stories happen at different moments in time and the, you know, the cultural context that sits around those stories is somewhat important to them. Mm-hmm. The order in which you decide to tell those stories and the level of access you give to those stories change, changed from iteration to iteration. So it was always about Brisbane. Always, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, no, I lie. No, it wasn't always about Brisbane. It was once about kind of queer history general mm. um, and looking at those big significant moments and trying to include 
uh, Australian ones where they mattered. Um, and then kind of, it was kind of a whittling down process and we realised that all of all of the stories that we're telling existed in our city in some capacity or another, or they didn't, mm. and that was a yeah. problem as well. And so um, our discussion became what do we have and what didn't we have and how has that shaped us? I think it's also sometimes important as Australians to resist um, the temptation, especially when it comes to identity politics in focusing on America because America yeah, does yeah. have a lot of these big, you know, the civil rights movement is really easy to cling to, but we have a, we've had our own sort of civil rights movement, our own people of colour here in Australia whose stories maybe don't get told um, in favour of those American stories. Similarly with queer people, it's sometimes really easy to go, oh, look at some yeah. of these big American like moments. Stonewall. Stonewall, absolutely. This? And I think, yeah. it's, I think it's important to go mm. um, to think, to, to try and separate, especially where, as America becomes a Increasingly fucked up place yeah. to just go. We've got we're, we're our own we're our own place here. There's a lot of things happening here, and that's yeah. actually what Granny uh, Robin's going to talk about about what Granny Smith is on about on Thursday. Cool, the, the picnic. picnic. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, the Brisbane queer story interweaves a lot with the Fitzgerald inquiry and the police corruption. Yeah. How did you find out about? That, I guess it was fairly obvious, maybe. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I, I think that, um, you know, a, a lot of these queer stories unfold in nightclubs because at the time that's where queer people were, could be active or were, you know, it was mm. the safest place for them to be active, although it wasn't safe at all. Um, and... And because the Fitzgerald inquiry was what it was, it kind of happened on top of that that queer community or the the the, the night the nightlife community. Um, and of course, queer people weren't the only people subject to that. I mean, there were a lot of um, sex workers, um, exotic dancers, and um, and the like who were very very heavily and negatively affected by. The, the Fitzgerald Inquiry or the, the Joe Bielke era um, and you know those things happen kind of side by side um, I've forgotten what your question was and I'm rambling now so <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm talking about police corruption mm. and yeah. so how we and, find out and queer it. people well I think that there's a um, uh, there's a there's a, a bit of a, a parallel journey with a lot of yeah. how a lot of the money and drugs and things were coming into Queensland during that time and how a lot of people were um, sort of buying off the police uh, to kind of fund whatever their ventures were. Um, and I think that there are still a lot of uh, characters within the queer scene today who profited off that um, that yeah. era. And mm. uh, So it's actually... Cause it, I grew up in Queensland, in, in Queensland, in Brisbane, and it, I know about the Fitzgerald Inquiry and the sex workers, the illegal brothels, yep. and all that. And maybe because of you know because I was younger at the at the time of the Fitzgerald, I never actually connected it to uh, queer culture or to drag queens mm. or that kind of thing yeah. happening. I think the kind of one of the big takeaways of that Fitzgerald era was that there was a really harsh mandate being placed down by the government and by the police of what was morally appropriate. And then 
what was actually happening and what they were actually involved with yeah. was was the exact thing that they were condemning yeah. and what they were punishing many people mm, for. And yeah. so I think that, that that journey of going, you know, uh, sexuality or, or uh, gambling or drinking or any of these sorts of excesses or behaviours are morally corrupted and then, you know, participating them them yourself, I think it's that's a... That's an interesting legacy. Of and it's still era. prominent, yeah. really. Mm. Still happens. Absolutely. Every single... And, and you know, it's it's easy to sometimes go when you, when people are being oppressive and go, oh, you're, you're saying these things. You know that thing of uh, the biggest homophobes are gay themselves? I yeah. think it's easy to kind of forgive people with that kind of thinking. But there's, a, there's certainly an element of that, people wanting to... Yeah. We just saw it with the um, Cardinal Pell's conviction of... You know, pe- oh, yeah. people being very morally judgmental, but mm-hmm. being very mor- sure. morally corrupt themselves. But it's uh, um, maybe related. It's called City Lights, and it's by Love. It's related because it's me. Yeah. <laughs> this is your-
that was Love Moves and City Light, the four triples at Anarchy Show Subversion 1312 with Linda Mark Claus. And we've got Daniel and Esther. Daniel and Esther from the Sui Ensemble who just did La Silhouette over the weekend, which was amazing. And um, one part I want to talk about, because it was about um, a lot of gay history, there was the the scene um, with the throwing of the can which started right. the whole thing. Mm. And that was that was a reference to Stonewall or do we have something like th- that happened like that in Brisbane? Uh, no. no, we didn't we didn't. Uh, that was a massive point of contention for us actually for a long time was was about how to include that that story and whether or not to include it. Um, and we didn't have anything like that. And uh, like we were kind of talking about earlier, this was our way of of highlighting an absence um, of of a Kind of pivotal moment in, I have a in relevant, our history I have, story. I have a relevant point. So, in recent years, the police have joined the Pride Parade. Yes, mm. yeah. yeah, and there's a, that's a very contentious issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, New Zealand and has uh, banned uniform op- officers from attending Pride. Oh, and so yeah. th- there is. So this is the Anarchy Show, and there are kind of anarchist anarcho queer people who are against the police i think i think sort of anarchist maybe are the people that are really against it the the first year they did which was 20, 2015 myself and and anna who sometimes does the show yeah anarchist you guys stopped yeah the, you she, guys stopped I was the march filming it and she walked down near um near the start of the park on, on Brunswick, Brunswick Street. Street, she walked out with this sign yes. and, and stopped the march to wow. to protest. So that is, while there was no can thrown or, no. or anything, there was, and mm. there, I think most years since every probably every year since then, there's been some sort of thing, and definitely in other places. Absolutely, but I, I yeah. do kind of want to like talk about the fact that these movements kind of started because of some kind of major physical action Mm. and like you know we'd never encourage any kind of um you know violence or anything but like this stonewall riot it it was a massive physical uh rebellion rebellion uh that is such a prominent thing in gay history that's that's uh, you know become a massive catalyst for change so I don't know, and and maybe in the anarchist world, that is something that uh, that is important to have these major f- physical shows of rebellion. Mm. Yeah, pa- perhaps, absolutely. It's I, yeah, I think the because of the contention around Stonewall, as far as the facts of that event occur yeah. and also as far as the contention around uh, the telling of that story and the representations that are important within that story I think in recent years it's become apparent that there's been a lot of whitewashing yeah. and a lot wow, of yeah. and a lot of uh, erasure of trans voices in telling of that story and um, and so what we because Stonewall for us was less of the the, the story itself and more of this idea of uh, Myth making in queer history, and this idea that because queer history is not on this public record, you can't go. We're not taught it in schools, and it's not part of the the kind of story of our culture. You know, the the dominant culture. Um, that it's that these big moments that sort of you know that that do resonate around the world, or that do create 
big opportunities for change. Um, you know what are so what are what are sort of the feelings and the and the mechanisms of those moments? And as you were saying, the, yeah. these it's not to say that these moments don't occur in Brisbane. They absolutely do, and I have absolutely no doubt that at moments when police were entering these venues, that they that they completely may have been yeah. riots and, and rebellion, but it was not something that stopped the world and it was not something that made news headlines mm. and it was not or something that and it's not something or... that I can go and access at my library today. Yeah. Where Stonewall is and what's the difference between the two. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And even even then, you know, the events of Stonewall are so kind of shrouded in myth even now, as is the one of the most well documented um you know, catalysts within the queer movement or within queer history and, you know, the queer liberation movement obviously started from that. You know, no, there's, there's no one, no one person who can say mm-hmm. it happened this way. This person did this thing, then this, then this, then this, then this, all of the records mm. are contradictory. It, it's, it's a real shame. Although uh, what Esther is saying is absolutely correct is that, you know, some of the crucial aspects of those stories do get lost yeah. in that, in that, myth making you know and and so that's obviously why it was so hard for us to to mm. navigate something, how to stage yeah. that something you may have noticed about the show is that there's no naming of time and there's yep. no mm-hmm. naming of sexuality we never go this is a gay club these are queer people this person we don't we don't label identities yeah. genders and any of those things we, we we try and avoid this idea of naming and and, and truth making because that's where things get complicated is when you yep. claim something as true especially in queerness where there's not really anything that's clear or yeah. pr- uh, precise. It's, and, and where every year our politics evolves and evolves and evolves and something that might be at the cutting edge today is in three years' time going to be complete ignorant rubbish. Yes. It's, yeah. it's easy to just... It's, it's difficult to, to talk about those things with these sort of concrete... Boundaries. Boundaries, uh, yeah, absolutely. And like peop- Binaries. So, <laughs> so everyone can see themselves in, in the stories. Like, everyone yeah. could come to the show and, and be a part of it and actually see themselves sitting there at the whiskey, a go-go. Is that a real... Is that a, yeah, that was, that a real was real. Yeah. That, was, that's, that venue used to be down the road. Yeah, yeah. just um, sort of opposite the arena, which is not... Kind of near Sporties-ish, yeah. I believe. No, I, it, was just, it was just up just here, down here. On the corner. Yeah, oh, near where they're the building den. that thing, yeah. that big Not thing. Netherworld. I have no sense across of direction. Across from Netherworld, no. on that corner. On the other side of the street. You know where that big billboard is? Yeah. That, it's the, an appliance right? shop. It yeah. was an appliance shop. That was it's the just across go-go. from that um, cabaret thing. It's like, right, they've built one of those big towers there now. We're on the Subversion 1312, the Anarchy Show. And we're talking about La Silhouette with Esther and Daniel. And I just wanted to briefly mention, ask about this idea of like bringing activism and theatre together. Mm-hmm. Because like I'm an anarchist and activist and, you know, protest or, you know, stuff like that. But then there's this way of telling stories and also presenting points of view and uh, pushing ideas mm. through mm. something which is traditionally seen as entertainment. Yeah, I think it's it's difficult to kind of um, unite notions of anarchy and theatre because theatre is so organised and, and, re- and requires a- so much planning. Organisation and planning, but, but in a cooperative, mm. horizontal yeah, mm. sure. Yeah, I think um, I think it's it's interesting sometimes when artists approach their work as uh, artists approach their work as activism, and or when activists approach things with art because it's uh, 
they obviously lend so much to the other, but I think it, it is such a broad spectrum of um, necessity socially. It's it's not to say that one thing is more or less effective than the other, but every person socially has something that they respond best to in the same way mm. that teachers at school might get a lot out of yelling at one child but need to sit and be patient with another child there's members of our society yeah. that really don't respond to protests and need to be sort of handheld through new ideas and new thinkings where other people uh, especially and we need to have people at the at the front of yeah. the of the movement who are at the kind of gates of the parliament are you house fisting the movement fisting the movement <laughs> yeah and then you need the people at the back and there's a role also, for yeah. everybody, yeah. Yeah. Now, you guys have more things you want to do in the future. Yeah. Take, maybe take a break from La Silhouette, but, but there's other things you want to do. In, and is that why you do the, the trivia, which is happening on Thursday night? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. We um, trivia is a wonderful uh, expression for us, you know. Uh, especially when we're not developing other work, it's a great way for us to just have fun and play around, you know. Uh, we we uh, drag kings and queens together, and the house of space is a thing that sits inside of that as well. Um, kings and kings and queens don't really fit into anarchism. No? <laughs> Royalty. Yeah. I'm not surprised. What can we re- rename drag, drag queens? performers. Uh, performance, yeah. Gender, drag gender fuckers. Gender fuckers. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. Completely. It sounds like a good time. Yeah, it is yeah. a good time. And it's... Fucking and, gender. Yeah. Now, and so where is, where is the trivia happening? Uh, it will be at the powerhouse on the turbine, in the turbine platform mm-hmm. on Thursday night, the 4th. And is that awesome. uh, that is part of the Melt Queer? It Festival. sure is. Yep, and yep. it's free. Woohoo! Thank you very much for coming in tonight and chatting to us. And of course, thanks for sharing your work. Thank you. Yes, it was fantastic. It was amazing. Anytime. Yeah, Thank you so much. Guys. Thank you very much. And now, while there's other people here, I just wanted to play my new song. That yes, I on today. get it. Because as we as we heard, I'm learning. I have a secret coach, <laughs> and this is actually. Uh, something we did, we interviewed Donald Trump on this with this Martha very and I and, show. Yeah, on this very show. <laughs> so I'm going to play that now. This is the coup of the century.
as seasoned journalists and radio presenters, mm. you know, it's not such a big deal. We do this all the time. We do this all the time. Do you want to start up? My first question for Donald Trump is How many times a day would you say you wank? Billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions. Thank you, Mr. Trump. I had a feeling that would be the answer. How much money have you lost in your businesses? Billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions. Wow, that's a lot, Mr. Trump. Nathan, do you have a question? Um, do you have to, can you say billions in a different accent, or you just have to be saying billions just straight up? Billions and 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 billions. Wow.
How many times have you sexually assaulted women? Billions and 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 That was impressive, Linda. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. You did that yourself. I did that with your help. With the help of your secret... With my secret coach, yeah. Coach. Yeah. And, of course, I couldn't have done it without you and Donald Trump and Nathan for for when we we did that interview. When we recorded it, yeah. Time now for me to play this interview I did with Robin this afternoon about the Granny Smith picnic, which is happening on... Thursday lunchtime, July 4. Thursday lunchtime at Banyapa Park at the corner of Thomas Street and Vulture Street in West End. Granny Smith has asked me to let everyone know that this Thursday is Independence from America Day or the 4th of July and she'll be hosting a little picnic in Banyapa Park in West End to celebrate everything American. So if you are proud to be um, protected by the U.S. nuclear weapons umbrella, and you just think it's awesome that all these U.S. warships are in the port, and you're really happy for Australia to follow the U.S. into another U.S.-led war, possibly this time in Iran, then come along and join Granny Smith for Independence Day this Thursday. We'll be doing all of the things that Americans love to do. Oh, sorry, I mean us Americans. We'll be throwing the football, having hot dogs, there'll probably be some apple pie. You're welcome to come along and join us in pigging out like us Americans should. Why is it called America? Well, don't you know, Australia's like the 51st state of the United States. Really acts like a U.S. military launching pad. It houses Pine Gap. U.S. troops, thank God, they can do sea swaps over in the ports at Fremantle. There's 2,000 Aus- um, I mean American troops up in Darwin. And I'm sure people realize now that Queensland is hosting some of the world's largest military exercises. They're called Talisman Sabre, and it's spelled E-R. Oh, no, sorry, R-E this year, because supposedly Australia is the lead country. But really, out of 25,000 troops practicing land, sea, and air military maneuvers, um, two-thirds of them are American. There will be some Japanese and um, New Zealander troops along this time as well. And it's predominantly American, and it's really about shoring up the interoperability between U.S. and Australian troops. And so this is another facet of things that we can celebrate about the going um, osmerification of Australia. I believe Talisman Sabre's coming up. Well, actually, Talisman Sabre has, in effect, started. It was quite unclear what the government actually meant by the dates that it set. The official dates are July 11th to July 24th, and we'll see Talisman Sabre taking place on the coast of Queensland, predominantly at Shoalwater Bay, north of Rockhampton, but also 
at Bowen in uh, Bundaberg and also at Evans Head in northern New South Wales. I believe there'll be a few other locations along the Queensland coast as well. But if you read the finer print of the military information, the war games, not just their preparations, but they will be starting in some places like northern New South Wales and Shellwater Bay from the 1st of July. So they've already started and going to the end of the month. One of the interesting things is that, they, is that they claim that they won't be doing any live firing, which they have done in the past on the Great Barrier Reef in all the previous Talisman Saber exercises. But they are clear that there will be live firing most likely before and after. So the dates are a bit nebulous and the conditions are a bit nebulous. But the fact is that Australia and the United States will be, be practicing um, combined joint forces. So that's land, sea, and air maneuvers, amphibious landings, practicing for attacks, and practicing with U.S. nuclear powered and possibly U.S. nuclear weapons, and certainly U.S. nuclear weapons capable military vessels. So, yay, all the way with USA, we're practicing for nuclear warfare. There's going to be some stuff happening in Brisbane, but the northern New South Wales thing is new. That's right. Officially, Brisbane is not part of the war games. It does just host, as do many other places. I'm sure people saw about the ship having difficulty getting into the Sydney Harbour, and there was a Japanese ship having difficulty getting in here at Brisbane. But the ports and our civilian airports do host um, military vessels from other nations, even though they're not part of the exercise officially. But Evans Head is a new one. There is an Australian military facility there, and this is the first time it's officially being used for Talisman Sabre, and not just the military facility, but also what they call NDTA, Non-Defense Training Area, which is um, really land that the defense has decided to use as a training area. And that was one of um, some people's concerns about Talisman Sabre in the past, was that Talisman Sabre is slowly encroaching on public land and public beaches, despite um, their having plenty of space to do these things and supposedly um, great facilities up at Shellwater Bay. Actually, they say Shellwater Bay is great to practice warfare on because of its wonderful, pristine environmental conditions. Quite interesting, isn't it? Shellwater Bay and the waters of Shellwater Bay are part of Great Barrier Reef Marine Park, and um, the waters are uh, form part of Ramsar-listed wetlands. So these are homes to the snubfin dolphin, migratory whales, the green turtle, a migratory, uh, numerous species of migratory birds, and most of the uh, locations on the Queensland coast that are will be used are part of the Great Barrier Reef region. Of course, Evans Head has its own um, particular and special ecological um, communities on that coastline as well. Let's just recap what's happening on Thursday with Granny Smith. So Granny Smith will be hosting a community picnic all the way with the USA at Banyaba Park from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Come along, have a hot dog, maybe sing some songs, bring your instruments, dress up in your most patriotic American clothes. Come 
throw the football or the frisbee and celebrate independence from or independence of United States today. That's right. Banyapa Park is at the corner of Thomas Street and Vulture Street in West End. Yes, the sausages will be vegan and um, it will be a vegetarian lunch. Don't let people from the beef capital of Australia hosting the war games know that. Thanks for having us on the show today, Linda. We hope to see you and everyone um, on the 4th of July. Or in all seriousness, we hope that see people taking action against the ongoing colonization and mil- militarization of Australia, the Pacific, and uh, and the world. We'd like to see complete denuclearization, demilitarization, and of course, um, decolonization of these contested spaces. I just wanted to mention the... Emma Goldman Anarchist Ball we had on Saturday and it was a success and Woo-hoo. it was great vibes and good musicians playing and we we raised, like we said, extra funds would go to the anarchists in Indonesia yeah. who have faced arrest for their actions on May Day yeah. and we raised about $165 nice. for them as well. So, yeah, thanks to Tom and Barbara and Camilla and me. Thank you. Yeah, and thanks to Pink Mouse, Nemat Malaki, the new middle class and Wheat Paste as well for performing. Now, talking about Brisbane Anarchists, because Brisbane Anarchists was one of the organisations who put that on, I just saw here that the uh, it's an article and it's that the Vatican declares trans people will cause the annihilation of, will annihilate the concept of nature. Well, that's something to ponder. Mm, there we go. And Mark... Me. Yes. We wanted to do Bad Cop No Donut tonight, which we basically already did. Yeah. Yeah. When we spoke to the uh, people from La Silhouette. Yes. So, yeah, uh, I I read one was that some police in America, that they, they were hassling some, some guy who was uh, protesting a random breath testing stop. And they were hassling him, and they took his phone, which was recording. He was like, had this thing, like, the cops, like, don't record, it's illegal. And he's like, no, it's not illegal. It's illegal for me. Yeah. Took the phone, forgot forgot that it was recording still. And so they went to the car, (gasps) and they, in the car, they discussed how they could stitch up, make up some things to charge that guy with. I'll just start it now. It's very hard to hear. Sure. Okay, What's no wrong? You have a handgun. You have a handgun. got a permit for the handgun. Just, uh, somebody just said that one of you guys had a gun on him. I got a gun! Oh, you don't have any weapons on you, do you? I'm asking you a question. Do you have any guns? Turn around. Go right ahead. Why are you putting your hands on me? Because I'm checking to see if you have any weapons because your partner does. Don't put, don't put your hands on me. Turn around. Please do not put your hands on me. Okay. It's illegal to take my picture. No, it is. 
It's a public property. It's illegal to take my picture personally. It is illegal. No, Did you get any documentation? I'm allowed you to take my picture. No, no but you're on public property. No, I'm Therefore, not. I'm on state property. No I'm on state property. You have no reasonable expectation of privacy. Can I have my phone? Now? Not yet. I got the camera. This is slightly in order to in in order auditable. So as you're talking. Yeah. So they're basically they're saying like, what can we, what can we, um, we have to cover our asses was one of the things they oh. said. Yeah. So. Yeah, and then they're they're making up some public nuisance thing and and some other thing to get him as well. So oh, yeah, geez. and that's about it. Huh. For tonight's show, that was pretty epic. Lots going on, you know, lots going on in Brisbane. Yes. Lots. Lots to talk about. Don't forget to subscribe to 4 Z as well. That's right. Mm. It's a great uh, great thing to subscribe to. Triple Z's a great place which can mix activism and culture, culture and politics and music and agitate, agitate, organise. Thanks for listening to the show. Too busy trying to survive capitalism's daily grind to get caught up on the latest anarchist news? Or maybe you're so wrapped up in your own organising that it's hard to make time to hear about other liberatory struggles. This Rebel Girl has got you covered. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes of The Hotwire. A 30-minute podcast with the latest anarchist news, on-the-ground interviews, a repression roundup, political prisoner birthdays, and announcements for upcoming events. All this and more at CrimeThink.com. I'm going to make those pompous academics regret kicking out such a genius. Deciding to build my lab and do my research. The Time Talks Podcast. Have you ever stared at a 500-page book and wish you could just talk to the author about their ideas instead? If so, the Time Talks Podcast, part of the Channel Zero Network, is for you. Where we discuss history, politics, music, and art with an anti-authoritarian and anarchist perspective. The Time Talks Podcast. What's this light? Check out Subversion 1312 online. Subversion1312.org. Facebook.com forward slash sub anarchy show. On Twitter, anarchy underscore show. And on the 4ZZZ website, 4ZZZ.org.au.
I think that violence can be even even applied to the natural environment because we rely upon the natural environment for our survival. But inanimate objects, especially those that are man-made and are used to destroy life, I don't think you can be violent too. I think it's a lot of times more violent to allow them to exist. process which is known and very visible but perhaps not acknowledged as much as it should be it is that one where a new idea or an old one in new form is accepted by a minority while the majority are shouting treason rubbish kook communist capitalist or whatever is the term of abuse valued in that society and they develop this idea From Embers is a show produced about anarchist ideas and practice across so-called Canada. Every week we spend about an hour going in-depth about ideas, histories, and ongoing struggles that we think are important. We're a part of the Channel Zero Anarchist Podcast Network. You can check it all out at fromembers.libsyn.com. <laughs> 